Greetings, and thank you for tuning into this podcast episode focused on migraine management titled The Case of a Patient with Migraine and Cardiovascular Disease. Our learning objectives for this podcast are demonstrate the use and limitations of traditional approaches to acute migraine management, employ new migraine-specific agents for treatment of acute attacks, and individualize migraine care plans to ensure that each patient's unique needs are addressed, ultimately improving symptoms and quality of life. Today, we will be joined by Dr. Dawn Buse, clinical professor in the Department of Neurology at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, licensed psychologist and fellow of the American Headache Society. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Buse. Thank you, Sue. I'm happy to be here. And hello to all the listeners. Uh, Dr. Buse is today going to walk us through the case of Jean, a patient with a history of periodic migraine attacks. Um, Let's start by learning a little bit more about Jean. So Jean is a 57-year-old man with a long history of episodic migraine, approximately one to two times a month. Sumatriptan has successfully and rapidly treated his migraine attacks for many years. Jean has no migraine triggers that we know of. He has never used a preventive migraine medicine. Jean is married. He is employed as a bus driver. He exercises infrequently and reports a moderate amount of stress in his life. He's a former smoker, occasionally drinks beer, and usually consumes two caffeinated beverages a day. Jean has type 2 diabetes, obesity with a body mass index of 32, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and he recently underwent a a percutaneous coronary intervention for a non-ST elevation MI. His current medications are metformin, semaglutide, rosuvastatin, metoprolol, lisinopril, aspirin, and prosegrel. Um, He was told at hospital discharge not to use the sumatriptan anymore and was given a prescription for a butalbital-containing medication. Gene comes in today um, to his PCP five months after hospital discharge to discuss his headaches. He has not been experiencing adequate relief with the butalbital-containing medication and would like something different. He has had seven migraine attacks since discharge, and three were so severe that he had to lie in a dark room all day. He does not want to take another daily medication on top of all the others. He requests another as-needed medication like the sumatriptan that will treat migraine attacks. So Dr. Buse, why was the sumatriptan discontinued in this patient? Well, the most important reason is because the patient had a cardiovascular event for which sumatriptan is contraindicated in the label. So sometimes we will have patients who could be on a triptan successfully for, for decades of their life, and we need to be vigilant for cardiovascular events and other life changes when they happen and always reconsider if the particular medication is still safe for that patient. So Gene had a good response to the sumatriptan when he was taking it, but he did have an interesting side effect. Gene describes a burning, tingling sensation on the top of his head with that agent. Um, What are common triptan side effects and contraindications to using those agents? That's a good question, Sue. Each of the triptans was associated with slightly different side effects in clinical trials. But in general, some of the side effects that someone might experience include dizziness, dry mouth, feeling heavy in the face, arms, legs, or chest, feeling sleepy, flushing, muscle weakness, nausea. Um, Certainly if someone's taking subcutaneous, they might have a skin reaction at the injection site. And two of the most uh, 
problematic that kind of upset patients tend to be tightness or tingling in the throat or chest. That's something that's usually concerning to patients. It, it, it might scare them. And so it's really important to talk about what these side effects are or might be before they first take a trip tan so that they are not scared and nervous when they see these side effects. When thinking about contraindications, all triptans are contraindicated in patients with cardiovascular diseases, so coronary spasms, symptomatic coronary artery disease, certainly after a heart attack or stroke, uncontrolled hypertension, Raynaud's disease, and peripheral artery disease. Most triptans are also contraindicated during pregnancy and breastfeeding, and for patients younger than 18, except for sumatriptan and zomatriptan nasal sprays are approved for youth over age 12. Are ergots such as dihydroergotamine also contraindicated for gene? Yes, they are contraindicated as well for someone with cardiovascular disease or history of events such as heart attack. So at discharge, gene was given a butalbital-containing medication. Is this a good choice for a patient with a recent cardiac event? No, butalbital-containing medications as well as opioids are specifically recommended to not be used for the treatment of migraine by the American Headache Society and other organizations. Okay, so, so Gene's already lost several options. Would it be okay to try NSAIDs in his case? Well, I'm sorry to say that caution must also be taken when considering NSAIDs for someone with cardiovascular disease. The results of both Interventional and observational studies point towards the increased cardiovascular risk being a class effect of NSAIDs. The level of risk displays a large variability between individual drugs in the group and, of course, is affected by baseline cardiovascular risk of patients. Although CV ADRs can develop even in individuals without a pre-existing CV condition. This is something to think about, and of course, we have to personalize all treatment decisions when it comes down to treating our patients with migraine but patients with congestive heart failure at risk of the disease decompensation while taking NSAIDs, and the risk is highest in patients taking diuretics, especially during the first few weeks of NSAID treatment. So are there any acute medications that might be considered for gene with um, CVD? There are. There are some newer additions to our migraine armamentarium in the acute treatment space, including 2G pants, Remigipant and Ubrojapant, as well as Lasmiditan. These do not constrict blood vessels and therefore may play a good role for patients with cardiovascular contraindications to triptans and NSAIDs. How does the efficacy of the G-pants and ditans compare to that of tri the triptans? Sue, that's a great question. Of course, there are no head-to-head -head studies to date. So everything that we talk about is observational from the clinic, uh, as well as looking at the various clinical trials and, and kind of trying to interpret how they might hold up side by side. So it's possible looking at clinical trials that as class of medications, the G-pants, Remigipant, Ubrojapant, may have a lesser likelihood of acute pain relief at two hours than some triptans. But what they miss in the quick onset, they really make up for in better tolerability, fewer side effects, and a good safety profile. So as we just talked about, many people with migraine may not take triptans or dihydroergotamine because of side effects such as neck pain, nausea, chest tightness, fatigue, etc. Um, and compared with the placebo pill, G-pants had only about a 1% chance of causing nausea and did not show the other reported side effects of triptans or DHE. So there's a good tolerability. That's a very strong point of G-pans. Lasminidan is um, also a bit slower to onset, but 
one of its wonderful benefits is that it can be taken later in an attack. And we spend a long time trying to educate patients about taking triptans early in an attack, but lasmidan can work later and, and work longer and has kind of a longer um, onset of effect, which is very nice, but it does have potential side effects as well as one warning, which we'll talk about in just a moment. So you bring up a good point. Gene um, had this tingling, burning sensation on the top of his head with sumatriptan, and he is concerned about medication side effects. Um, he wants to know what adverse events and side effects are common with G-Pants and or lasmiditan. Well, both in the clinical trials and what we see in clinical practice, the G-Pants are very tolerable. The most common side effects in clinical trials for ubrojapant were nausea and dizziness, and neither of these rose above the placebo rates. And there were no serious side effects seen in the studies of remijapant. The only side effect observed by patients were again, nausea and urinary tract infection, which was seen at 1% above a placebo pill. So those are very tolerable. Lasmidadan is a different type of medication. It's a ditan and it has different side effect profile. Well, the side effects are generally mild to moderate in clinical trials. They most frequently included dizziness, fatigue, tingling, or numbness sensation on the skin, sleepiness or drowsiness, nausea with or without vomiting, and muscle weakness. Probably because the medication must get into the brain to work, patients who had a mild intoxicated feeling were actually the most likely to be pain-free at two hours after taking lesminidan. And when they asked their impression of how it worked, their impression was favorable. Are there any warnings that PCP should provide to patients about G-Pants or lesmiditan? That's a very important question. Let me talk about the two classes of medications separately. So let's start with the G-Pants. There are drug interaction cautions for both ubrojapant and remijapant. They are processed through a similar liver processing pathway, CYP3A4, as a number of medications, and therefore use of these medications could either increase or decrease the effectiveness of medications using the same pathway. Medications such as antifungal drugs and chlorithromycin should be avoided when using your brojapant or remijapant. In those who take medications such as verapamil, fluconazole, fluvoxamine, and those who drink grapefruit juice, the dose of ubrojapant should be 50 milligrams. The effectiveness of the G-Pants may be decreased with some other medications, including barbiturates, and in pregnancy and nursing animal testing at very high doses, not the doses we use clinically for humans. Fetal toxicity and fetal loss was noted. So it's always important to mention. None of the G-Pants is recommended for pregnancy or when nursing. Now let's talk about lasmididan, which is a ditan. Lasmididan is a controlled substance, and its use is monitored by the Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA. Lasmididan should not be taken with alcohol or other sedating medications, and should be used in caution with individuals with a history of substance use disorder, drug, or alcohol misuse. It's important to note that there's an eight-hour driving restriction after using lasmididan in the label. The effect of lasmidadan on driving performance was examined in healthy adults, and in a driving simulator, those who took lasmidadan often had significant impairment of driving performance 90 minutes after taking it and up to eight hours after taking it. So it's very important that patients understand this limitation and make careful decisions about when they take lasmidadan. So Gene is a bus driver. Does this mean he can't take lasmidadan? Actually, that's not the case at all. Gene should not drive or operate heavy machinery for eight hours after taking lasmidadan. 
but lesmidin is a fine option for those who either don't need to drive during the day or perhaps they're treating after a migraine attack has started and they've finished work or they finished their day's activities and now they're home, they're ready to rest, relax, maybe even sleep. One of the nice benefits of lasmidan is it can be taken further into an attack than a triptan. So it's actually a good option for someone who had that migraine attack start during their work day or while they were out, they get home and they're ready to treat, relax and sleep. So Gene could take lasmidan after he's done driving for the day or on days when he does not need to drive or operate heavy machinery for at least eight hours. What else would you recommend to Gene to improve his quality of life? I mean, regarding migraine management. It's really worth checking in on some of his lifestyle habits, thinking about is he getting regular exercises? He has a sedentary job where he would sit for eight or more hours at a time. So thinking about stretching, thinking about exercise and movement, maintaining a healthy weight, eating a healthy diet, specifically one low in unhealthy fats has been shown to benefit migraine, checking on his sleep and checking on his stress levels. All of these are preventive approaches that can really help with migraine management and um, help make medication treatment regimens uh, work even better for people. How often is too often for acute migraine medication use? This is a great question. And what we're getting at here is the risk of acute medication overuse. And acute medication overuse is basically taking all of the acute medication someone's using, be it over-the-counter prescription, be it for migraine or for other reasons, and counting the number of days per month. And guidelines recommend that patients be instructed to limit their acute medication use to an average of two days per week. Patients who exceed this limit should be considered for a preventive treatment for migraine management. Patients who continue to overuse acute medication while receiving preventive therapy may either require an escalation in the preventive dose or a change in the preventive regimen. And generally, we consider uh, expert consensus generally supports the addition of a second preventive treatment in these patients, as well as always think about the non-pharmacologic additions of behavioral therapies and neuromodulation in addition to pharmacologic prevention, which have been shown to have even better outputs outcomes when, when used together. How about uh, G-Pants and lesmitidin? Is there concern for medication overuse with these agents? Well, there's really good news there. Among these two newer types of medications for migraine management, repeat treatment does not appear to be associated with medication overuse or medication overuse headache. I know that tryptan should be taken early, um, as early as possible in a migraine attack. What about these new medications? What would we tell Gene if he started on one of them? That's a good point. We do really like to try to educate people to take triptans early. As I mentioned about lasminitan, it can be taken later in the attack and still be effective. So that's a nice benefit. Um, for the G-pants, since they may have a bit of a longer onset, we also want to tell someone to take as early as possible. But generally, um, no one wants to suffer with pain and disability. So for, for everyone with every type of medication, of course, earlier, earlier use makes sense. Well, that's all we have time for today. Dr. Buse, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through this case. Sue, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. To obtain your CME credit, please visit primemed.com and complete a short post assessment. If you listen to this podcast on another platform, please refer to the episode description where there's a direct link to the activity page on primemed.com for claiming CME credit.